Good evening, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks coming to you on April 24th, 2021. Tonight, while I am primarily going to be talking about the Derek Chauvin trial uh, and everything that's been going on around that, certain things that have been going on for the last couple of days, just, you know, they, they kind of need my attention. Something, Some things that I just need to talk about tonight and, and just kind of get them off my chest. Uh, it is purely political. Uh, those other things I want to talk about because, you know, uh, Ted Cruz, you know, bless his uh, cold, dead little heart. He 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 just is the gift that keeps on coming to podcasters. Uh, he continually does something every single week that is just completely ridiculous and 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 ignorant. Uh, but there's also another uh, politician that I want to talk about uh, based off an article that he actually wrote this week. Uh, that's one thing I wish politicians would do less of and write political hit jobs, but. Uh, apparently that's all they want to do these days uh, and his name is green and it's not marjorie taylor green though i will talk about her some tonight uh but so you know after i talk about Derek chauvin and things that are surrounding that uh, i will move on to the more political side of this and you know we'll just kind of see where it goes because uh, you, you know i i thought during this time that things would settle down a bit, but you know, you got to give Republicans credit. They just don't quit. They just keep going and going and going. They're, they're like the energi- uh, Energizer Bunny. Uh, but we'll see where this goes. We'll see how this uh, works out. And as you can probably tell it, whenever you're listening to this, there is no intro music. Uh, there's not going to be any outro music uh, just because of the two main things that I'm planning on talking about. Uh, Derek Chauvin... Um, and of course, police brutality—the kind way of saying it. They're, these are two very serious topics, and I don't think playing music to introduce the show and leave the show would really be appropriate. So, let's get started. Glad you're all with me tonight. Let's uh, get the show on the road. So, the Derek Chauvin trial. Uh, came to an end this week, and he was found guilty on all three counts. Uh, I'm not going to go through the individual counts. Uh, if you've been paying attention at all, then you know what they are. Um, I, I just remember uh, going home from school uh, when it actually happened. I, I was at school watching some of the coverage after the school day, and it just seemed like it was going to take forever uh, to actually get it taken care of. So I went ahead and, and started driving home. Now from my school to my apartment, it's it's about usually a 25-minute 20, drive, uh, depending on traffic, construction, tra- um, accidents, and all that fun stuff. Uh, but it wasn't five minutes after I left uh, my school that the announcement came in, and, and I listened not knowing exactly how I would react. Because, I'll be honest, with with the trials that we have had uh, in this country with with cops killing uh, people of color, and and that's an entirely different subject, which I'll talk about a little bit later, Uh, but I was fully expecting him, at the very least, to only be found guilty of manslaughter. Or, sorry, involuntary manslaughter. I, I didn't really think that he would be convicted on the other two counts. And I certainly didn't think that if he were found guilty of anything, that he would be facing any serious jail time. Uh, 
because the, the track record, and I guess I'm going to talk about it now, uh, the track record in this country is that cops who uh, kill people of color typically either don't get charged at all or get slaps on the wrist. Now, I, I know you may be thinking to yourselves, well, in a lot of these cases, well, it doesn't matter in a lot of these cases because all these cases are always virtually the same. Cop shoots a person of color, kills them, and they get a slap on the wrist, obviously fired from their position. But here's what you usually don't find out. They almost always get hired somewhere else. Um, the biggest example that I can think of, or the closest example I can think of, uh, is a female officer a couple of years ago uh, here in Tulsa uh, shot an unarmed black man on on the highway. Killed him. She wasn't tried. She was just let go uh, as a police officer. Come to find out, um, during the year last year, it was right before everything shut down, uh, she is now someone who trains cops. She goes to different precincts and different towns to train cops. And that is primarily why I didn't think anything more than a slap on the wrist for Chauvin. But the jury saw through all the lies and deceptions from uh, his defense and convicted him of all three. And when I heard that come down, yeah, I didn't really know what to do. I... For for a few moments, you know, you got to remember, I'm driving at this time. And so for a few moments, I, I just kind of drove in stunned silence. And then when it finally hit me that he had actually been convicted, I, I, I did scream. And, and pounded on my steering wheel a couple of times. And as I continued to drive and, and the moment, the, the, the true hugeness of the moment came to me, Yes, I did shed a little, uh, some tears, but that was kind of tampered a little bit uh, when they actually started talking about it and, and what it actually meant. And I came to the stark realization that truly the only reason that Derek Chauvin was convicted of this crime wasn't because it was just on camera, but because it was so close on camera. You know, even with the body cameras, sometimes the angles are, are not going to be good um, with video that isn't right up on the action. You're not, sometimes you're not going to be able to tell exactly what was going on, but there was a camera practically in his face this entire time so that the entire world saw what he was doing and saw the intent that he had. He knew what he was doing, ladies and gentlemen. He knew what he was doing. And that is evidenced by the fact that he had his hand, his left hand, in his pocket to give him more leverage on his knee to press down even harder. And then, you know, the defense tries to come out uh, with a quote-unquote expert to try to convince us, or try to convince the jury that it was much more likely that he suffocated because of the exhaust coming from the tailpipe of the car that he was up against. Now, I, I don't even know if the car was running, but that doesn't 
that defense doesn't absolve Chauvin. It just doesn't. If that were true, he is still guilty of, at the very least, manslaughter, knowing that exhaust from a tailpipe is going into this man's face and he does nothing to stop it. So, you know, that's that's the main piece of this. To, to get that out there, to talk about this trial just a little bit. Up next, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth into what this could mean and the f- and probably why nothing really has changed. Stay with me. So let me do just a little uh, plug for Podbean real quick before I move on. Uh, because one of the great things about Podbean is that because I have to do my own recordings instead of depending on the website... I can stop and go back uh, whenever I need to to make this right. Uh, At the very start of this episode, I actually had to cut a couple of times because I kept flubbing simply easy words, kind of like simply. Um, So, that's really awesome that that is available and be able to use that. And now with Podbean, uh, my podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, still on Spotify, on Amazon Soon to be on Pandora, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and a lot more. Um, and another thing, it's also available on YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel that is called Prez Forecast. Check it out. And my podcast will show up there every week that I record one. So I even got some dinner and currently eating that while I wait to record my next uh, couple of segments, watching football whenever I need to, taking breaks whenever I need to, really liking Podbean and the freedom that I have to record my own podcast the way I want to record it. Welcome back. And now, of course, within minutes of the Chauvin verdict coming in, we literally received news uh, that a 16-year-old girl had been shot and killed uh, by police in Ohio. And her name was, uh, of course... Makia or Makaya Bryant, again, 16-year-old girl. Now, the the story behind this is sad enough that a 16-year-old girl is, is of course, now dead at the hands of police. But the information that we've gotten so far to this point is that she was the one that that actually called the police uh, because there were two girls at her house in her driveway uh, threatening... uh, to do her harm. So she called police, told the police to get out there. Police shows up. And when the officer shows up, a fight almost immediately ensues. And and Makia, in my opinion, was defending herself against these two girls. Now, the cop says that she had a knife on him, on her. Uh, from his body cam footage, it's not really that clear. Uh, it does give a couple of commands and then proceeds to shoot her dead. Several shots, right to the chest. Now, if that's not shocking enough for you, is that there were other police officers on the scene as the shots are being fired. And one officer gets to her pretty quickly and has a chance to give her life-saving uh, kind of treatment, to do anything to kind of help her. And I've watched the video several times. And it takes him minutes to get his gloves on. To even try to assist her. And he doesn't really seem to know what to do once he does get his gloves on. 
So this is at least a minute, possibly two minutes, that this officer wasted when he could have been doing something to try to save her life. And of course she died on the way to the hospital. And sadly, naturally, in this country, she wasn't the only one. Uh, there were, were have been several other people of color gunned down by the police in the last few weeks. So, as great as the conviction of Derek Chauvin was, has anything really changed? Because it does appear that the police still believe that they can do whatever they want and not face any real serious consequences. And that's an issue, ladies and gentlemen. Not just for our black brothers and sisters, but for America, for this country. You know, there was a time, and you'll have to excuse me if some of you don't really believe this. This is clearly my my white privilege showing up on, on this. But there was a time where the police were, their motto was to protect and to serve. And at some point that's changed. It's no longer to protect and to serve. It's every day is a battlefield. And I, I will say this to make this very clear for those who kind of wonder where I might be going with this. I'm not for fully defunding police. I am for reforming the police. Now, having said that, if defunding the police is a part of the reform, you better believe I support it 100%. Because we have an issue with the funding of the police in this country just like we have an issue with the funding of the military in this country. When you look at the military, there's not a single country that comes close to the funding that we put towards our military. In fact, you can combine all the countries, even Russia, and it doesn't come close. Yet, when we ask for funding for our schools, suddenly they can't find the money. When we ask for funding for our infrastructure, suddenly they can't find the money. When we ask for funding for anything in this country that is outside the military-industrial complex, our politicians somehow can't ever f seem to find the money. And the same thing goes with our police. Think about this. In order to get any kind of funding to help our schools out, cities have to raise taxes. And they have to put it to a vote. We the people have to decide if we want to pay more taxes to help fund our education. Same thing with our infrastructure. If we want to improve our roads, improve our lights, improve water flow, make sure that we have clean water, we have to raise taxes. And our city officials have to ask us, we the people, for permission to do that, to raise our taxes to do that. You never hear police asking for money. You never once hear any talk of us having to raise our taxes in order to make sure that the police are funded. And the reason for that is very simple. They don't need to. Anything they want, they're going to get. And we've seen that now that small communities across this country now have police uh, 
that look like military. They have SWAT teams. What does a small community need with a SWAT team? They don't. But they continue to get this funding, continue to get this funding. Meanwhile, meanwhile, our schools are going bankrupt. Our roads are potholed up, especially here in Oklahoma. Our bridges are failing. Parts in this country, you can't even get clean water. Ask Flint, Michigan. But you better be sure that Flint's uh, police are fully funded and never have to worry about it. And that is a huge problem in this country. Uh, that's why I, I really thought last summer, <coughs> excuse me, when when the talks by the Republicans started, well, the Democrats wanted to refund, defund the police. I, I think they should have just stood right up and said, if part of reforming the police means that we defund the police to a ex- certain extent, absolutely. But they balked at it. And I, I think they did lose a few house seats because of that. The Republicans kind of surprised them with that one. I don't really know why. They should have been prepared for that. If you want a police force that is truly to protect and to serve every single person in this community, we have to reform the police. We have to get them to their actual model of to protect and to serve. Because right now they're not protecting and they certainly are not serving. I told a story to my students a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about something very similar uh, to this. Uh, When I was younger in my 20s, and I might have talked about this uh, the last time I recorded, but you're going to hear it again. Um, Back in the early days of my early 20s, we didn't really have great access to computers or the internet. The only place I could get internet or a computer was to go to my mom's school. And so when I would go home and visit her, I would go up. Uh, She had an outside door to her classroom that was not alarmed. It wasn't on the alarm system. So you could walk in and out of her classroom after the school had been alarmed and never set off the alarms. So one night I'd been up there kind of late and I was leaving the school about 10 p.m. As I'm walking out of the fence of the playground to go to my vehicle, cop happens to roll by. Now this school isn't in the greatest of neighborhoods. So he whips it into the parking lot, pulls up behind my vehicle, and gets out, and we we just have a friendly, probably 10-minute chat. He asks who I am, asks for my ID, runs it really fast, asks why I was up here so late. I explained to him what was going on. At the end of the conversation, he told me to have a good night. Got back in his vehicle, left, got in my vehicle, and left, and I left. Can you honestly sit there and say... That if I'd been a black man in my 20s, that that conversation would have ended like that. I I fully believe, even in that community, that if I'd been a black man in my 20s in that same situation, at the very least, I would have been in jail. I would have been arrested. I didn't even get a ticket. I didn't even get a warning. And, And yet people in this country want to say that there's that racism doesn't exist and and that there isn't an issue with police and black people. If you don't see it, you're either blind or racist. It's, it's really that simple. I'm going to take a quick break because uh, I really want to finish this thought process up, so stay with me. 
Okay, one final thought on the Derek Chauvin case. Um, as I've probably mentioned on here before, um, I probably haven't, but I, I like to Facebook and, and Twitter uh, and, and just generally share my thoughts. This is a way for me sometimes to get my thoughts out there um, where I don't really know how to put them together. Uh, but on the night that this verdict came out, when it was still pretty much the top story, um, you know, all, all the people out there that are racist and have a platform to share their racist views were just out in, in full force, just besides themselves, beside themselves, uh, about the outcome of this case. They, they couldn't believe that he was found guilty, despite the video of him killing a man has been in full circulation on the internet for over a year. And they just didn't think that was right. Um, Supreme racist Tucker Carlson, uh, who always looks like he is constantly constipated. He really needs to go to a doctor and get that checked out. Uh, but anyways, uh, he went on record as saying that the results of this trial would mean less people would become cops. Now, now personally, if, if someone watches this case and sees a man that has committed murder actually be held accountable for that, and besides, well, I don't want to become a cop now. Personally, I'm all for that because they probably don't need to be a cop in the first place. Um, but the the fact remains that the racists were out in full effect. And, and I posted that to my Facebook. It, I, it said something along the lines of the racists are out, or um, losing their minds tonight, is what I said. And someone responded to it on my Facebook that not all people who disagree are racist. And I, I was I was so kind of blown back by that, that comment that I never actually responded to it on Facebook. But I do want to kind of respond to it now. Uh, because, you know, the main charge that not everyone who disagrees is racist is correct. Not everyone who disagrees uh, is racist, but... What really comes to mind when I see that is why put that out there to begin with? I mean, it's fine if you don't agree with the verdict. I don't understand how you don't agree with the verdict. But my comment was very innocuous. I just, I just simply said the racists are losing our minds tonight. It could have been about Derek Chauvin. Could have been about something completely different. Um, but that, that is an issue that we have in this country where a lot of people don't like to be called racist. And I get that because that's one of the worst things you can be called in society these days is a racist. But if you say or do racist things, I hate to tell you this, but you're racist. I, I don't care if it's a joke to you. I don't care if it's something that you've heard all your life. You know, my, my grandfather, I, I love that man until his dying days. But he always referred, especially boxers, he always referred to them as coloreds. Now at the time, this is in the 80s, I, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with color, uh, calling people of color coloreds. 
But, you know, something amazing happens as you grow up and you mature and you open yourself up to the world. You, you find out that things that were once acceptable when you were younger aren't acceptable. So, you know, it, it's not up to the world to mold itself to what you want it to be. It's up to you to mold yourself to the way the world thinks you should be. It's the plain, simple facts. There are movies that Disney will not play anymore because they have seriously racist overtones in them. Don't care how great the movie was. Dumbo did with the crows. But, you, you know, as you grow, as you become older, you have a choice. You can either continue on your path, continue thinking that racist jokes are funny, Continue thinking that calling people of color animals or gorillas or apes is funny or perfectly acceptable, but it's not. The choice is yours. And it has nothing to do with woke culture, it has nothing to do with cancer culture. This, this goes back to a conversation I've now been having for three weeks, or actually about a month now. It's not up to the world to bow to your whims, it's up to you to adapt to match what the world looks like today. Nothing is being taken away from you. If you want to enjoy these things in private, swell, go for it. But just because the rest of us don't want to, doesn't mean something of yours is being canceled. It just means we have higher expectations for how we should act and how we should behave and how we should treat others. Because we still have an issue in this country where white people still see people of color. That's black, brown, uh, Native Americans, um, Asians, South Asians, Middle East, Africa. I, I kind of went from races into countries there and continents. But we still have an issue where white people consider all those people to be quote-unquote others. And they're, they're people that should be feared and looked at with a suspicious mind. And until we can get that out of our society, it's going to permeate. It's going to continue. Uh, one of the great things uh, about the younger generations coming up now is that you see a lot less of that now. You don't see people judging people by the color of their skin. You see them judging people by what they do. How they conduct themselves. And maybe that's something that us older generations, Gen X and up, should probably start trying to do ourselves. Okay, so that, that's it for the Derek Chauvin um, case and, and those speeches. Uh, next segment is now become uh, pretty much an every uh episode segment and that is all about ted cruz and his dumbassery ways up next the segment ted cruz is a dumbass so ted cruz ladies and gentlemen the gift that keeps on giving um he didn't do anything too outrageous this week uh, although he did hold a i guess a three-person uh news conference um to try to convince people to stop the quote-unquote packing of the Supreme Court. 
said that this will never happen in this country. And, and this actually... Uh, this actually will include uh, Mark Green, uh, who is a representative from Tennessee. They're, they are actively trying to convince people that Biden and the Democrats are trying to pack the Supreme Court uh, so they can pass their radical leftist, socialist, communist, uh, liberal laws into the land and, and change the face of America forever. It's all a lie. It's all BS. Uh, first of all, there's no such thing as, as packing the Supreme Court, uh, especially in the situation that we're in. Uh, essentially, you got to go back five years uh, to President Obama's uh, last year in office when a Supreme Court vacancy opened up after uh, a death of a Supreme Court justice. And Republicans who had the power were able to stop the nomination process and keep that seat open for eight months in the hopes that a Republican would be elected president and then that uh, person would be able to fill that seat. And of course, the former guy did win and they filled that seat. And then a couple of years into the former guy's uh, term, another seat became vacant under suspicious reasons. And they've, the Senate, controlled by the Republicans still, changed the rules of the Senate in order to get this person through. Um, because up until that point, the only way you could get a Supreme Court justice onto the Supreme Court was you had to have a supermajority. You had to have at least 60 votes. Uh, Republicans changed the law in order to get this person on and changed it to a simple majority. And then in the last year of the former guy's uh, term, just like in the last year of President Obama's term, uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, passed away, uh, and this time it was within a couple of weeks of the election, and Republicans were able to go through all the, the entire process and get someone uniquely unqualified for a lifetime seat uh, approved to the Supreme Court in a matter of eight days. That, ladies and gentlemen, is packing the court. And, and naturally, Ted Cruz and Mark Green have conveniently forgot that. Because they're liars. That's what they do. They're Republicans. And now they're suggesting that adding seats on the Supreme Court to even it out. Uh, to where you have an even number of left-leaning judges and right-leaning judges on the court. So that the judgments come down fairly instead of one-sided. They consider that packing the court. Now, here's the thing with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is mentioned in the Constitution. Its makeup is is addressed. But the number of seats is not. So, when the Supreme Court first started, there were three seats. That was it. Now we're up to nine. So here's the question. So the original number of the Supreme Court seats was set in 1789 under the Ju uh, Judiciary Act of 1789. And it was set at six. One Chief Justice and five Associates. This uh, One of these seats was later abolished uh, in 1866, which brought it down to five. Um, and it actually fluctuated up and down uh, before that was done. And eventually, uh, after 1866, it came down to about seven justices. Uh, and then, in 1807, uh, a Seventh Circuit Act was passed, and this added a sixth associate justice 
to make it six. Two more seats were added then in 1837 as a result of two new acts. One of those was also eventually um, abolished. And then in 1863, the Supreme Court reached its peak size of nine. Um, no, I'm sorry. It got to ten uh, with a new act in 1863. And then in 1869, it's about a few years after the Civil War, it was finally set at nine. Now, it fluctuated a couple of times before 1869 between eight and ten. Um, but in 1869, it was finally set at nine. So here, here's the question I had for Ted Cruz and also Mr. Green. In those times, in those four or five instances where the Supreme Court number of seats was increased eventually to the set nine in 1869, were those all cases of the Supreme Court being packed or just seats being added? There, there really, there is not an actual law in the United States, whether in the Constitution or codified by law, that sets the number at nine, that it cannot go any higher. Personally, I'm, I'm completely in favor of adding uh, three new seats uh, to the Supreme Court, and possibly a fourth. You know, get it up to 13 or get it up to 11, 11 or 14, or 11 or 13, sorry. Uh, that way, you never end up in a tie. But you can go to 12 and end up with, with ties uh, if you want. Uh, but to balance out the court. Because, uh, you know, as much as the Republican Party wants to talk about leftist judges as, as being horrible people that have their own political agenda in mind, are right-leaning judges any better? So I'm all in favor of evening out the Supreme Court justice. I would even be in favor of eliminating those three seats. Because we, we can't have a Supreme Court in this land that is dictated by politics. Their sole job is to read law and to read the Constitution and see if those laws match the Constitution or not. If they're going in with a, a political bent, then we'll have chaos. So, like I said, it wasn't that big of a week for Ted uh, Cruz, Ted Rafael Cruz, uh, but, you know, it's just another case of him lying, and lying just to lie. It's just the kind of person he is. And, you know, Green getting involved as well, and, and really with Green, the issue I have with Green more than anything uh, he, he, he wrote an article for some newspaper. I'm not sure, really sure which one. I'm not even sure why I got the notification on my phone to read it. Uh, but it was just full of inaccuracies about this country's history. And that's actually going to lead into my final thought um, when I'm done with this segment. Um, but personally for me, Normal citizens like myself, and probably like you as well, shouldn't know more about the law, shouldn't know more about the Constitution, shouldn't know more about the government than the people that are elected into that government. That's why we have the issues we have today. The Republican Party continues to elect people to Congress 
that don't have the first clue about how the government actually works. In fact, most of them that are going into government, federal government, stand against federal government. They think the federal government should be weakened as much as possible. And it is just beyond me why people are fine with that. And, and it goes back to the Republican dream. And they, they've really had this dream for the most part for the last 60 years now. And, and that is to make laws that protect rich white people. And, and they've, they've done an amazing job. I'll give them this. They've done an amazing job of convincing poor white people to keep electing them so that they can actually take things away from the poor white people. It's an amazing feat that they've accomplished because a lot of poor white people, uh, for better or worse, are one-issue people. There's only one issue they really care about. They don't care about anything else. But Republicans continue to run on ending those systems set up that help keep white people, poor white people, in homes. And they're okay with this. And it, it astounds me to watch these people every year, year in and year out, vote against themselves. You know, the Democratic Party um, isn't the, the answer to everything. I know that. We all know that. But to continue voting against your own self-interest, to stick it to the liberals, really makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so, just got to keep fighting. Got to keep fighting a good fight on this. All right. Coming up next is my final thought for this week. Y'all, I'm, I'm struggling to finish this episode. This is my third take. So, now to my final thought for this Saturday April 24th of 2021, and that is the continued ignorance of the Civil War and the Confederacy. Now, this actually comes from a new song uh, that was written uh, and performed by Aaron Lewis, uh, the lead singer of Stained, uh, one of a, a great band in the, in the early 2000s uh, before he decided to go country with it. In this song, he this is Bruce Springsteen. Um, first of all, I didn't know country songs could actually be diss tracks, but uh, you know, here we are um, for his political activism. You know, think on that for a second. Aaron Lewis writes a diss track to diss Bruce Springsteen for his political activism. Something he's currently doing in this song. Um, but... As you can tell here in a few moments when I get to it, uh, I'm not too high on Aaron Lewis's intelligence uh, or able to actually consider that what he is doing is running against someone like Bruce uh, Springsteen for doing something that he is absolutely doing. And, and that is a typical Republican conservative um, stance to do. Uh, it's called projection. He's projecting onto Bruce Springsteen what he's actually doing. But the main thing that he says in this song that he sings is, is talking about uh, Confederate soldier or Confederate statues and how taking them down 
it is somehow offensive to the red, white, and blue. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't believe that in this day and age that as a historian that I still have to do this and I have to remind people, especially Aaron Lewis, that those who seceded from the United States and formed the Confederacy were, in fact, traitors to the United States, to the red, white, and blue. And by keeping those statues up, uh, continuing to fly those flags, to me, is an insult to the memory of those soldiers who fought for the Union and fought to keep this country together in a time when they wanted to secede and form their own country just so they could keep slavery going. And, and don't for a second uh, buy that crap that this was about states' rights. The states' rights argument did not actually come around until around the turn of the century in the early 1900s as a way to excuse and diminish the fact that the South did secede to keep slavery. It was never about states' rights. You can look in the Confederacy's Constitution, which was almost a direct copy of the United States Constitution, but one of the things in that Constitution had something to do with slavery. So in the Confederate uh, Constitution, in Article 4, Section 3, it states, The Confederate States may acquire new territory, and Congress shall have power to legislate and provide governments for the inhabitants of all territory belonging to the Confederate States, etc., etc. Here's the important part. In all such territory, the institution of Negro slavery as it now exists in the Confederate States shall be recognized and protected by Congress and by the territorial government. So what does that mean? That means that the Constitution of the Confederacy supersedes state law. In other words, if a state wants, if a territory wants to become a state within the Confederacy, they have to, by law, by constitutional law, they would have had to allow slavery within the state. That completely erases the myth of states' rights. And really, you should, when you get a chance, you should read the Confederate Constitution because it is completely ripped off from the United States Constitutions. Has most of the amendments up to that time in the actual Constitution itself, word for word. Word for word. There, there was nothing new or ingenious about this Constitution. It was a complete ripoff. But going back to my original thought process on this, the, the fact that here we are over 160 years later with members of this country, citizens of this country, still romanticizing the Confederacy when there's nothing romantic about it is, is mind-boggling. And that we have people like Aaron Lewis who suggest that the taking down of Confederate statues is somehow an insult to the red, white, and blue. When the insult is having those statues in the first place and still flying the Confederate battle flag. That's the insult to the red, white, and blue. So people like Aaron Lewis, you know, everyone's free to voice their opinions, but part, part of that being able to voice your own opinions is at least having facts to back yourself up. And, and what we've seen really since the 1920s is this resurgence of an attempt to whitewash the history of the Civil War. To 
revise it. It's history revision. And it's making things up as they go along. Um, and it's completely... Here's the thing. Here's, here's where my thought is going on this. For most of written history, history has been written by the victors. Whoever wins the wars, whoever takes over the most land, they get to write history. And it was that way for thousands, millennia of, of time. But we, we've finally gotten into this, this area where there's more historical study and taking a deeper look at what actually happened. But this is the first time I, I can recall throughout all my historical studies, and again, I do have a master's in history, that the losers of a war have gotten to write so much of their own history. The Confederacy lost a war. The Confederate States of America was only a country for about five years. There's no culture there. There's no heritage there. Lost the war, brought back into the United States, and yet they continue to be able to rewrite history the way they see fit. There's nothing honorable about having Confederate statues up. And this is a historian saying this. It just seems simple to me. You know, the most common comparison that I do is Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany lasted longer than the Confederacy, yet you can go to Germany, you won't find any statues of Hitler or Heimlich or, or any of the soldiers, any of the leaders of the Nazi party. You won't see any Nazi flags flying around. They've outlawed them. Now, do I think we need to outlaw them here? No, not necessarily. It's, it's still um, a freedom of speech issue. But, you know, we can't do anything about the flags, but we can certainly do something about the statues. And people keep saying, as a historian, don't you want to see the statues out there as part of our history? It's like, no, I can see them in a museum. There's museums all over the South. Put those statues in the museums, where they go, where they belong. They belong in a dustbin of history, not out prominent where everyone can see them. And until we get that issue fixed, and this honestly, oddly enough, goes right back to the beginning of this episode uh, with police and racism. As long as we continue to honor the South, the Confederacy, as if they were some great people, that it was a romantic era, we are always going to continue having these issues of racism in our society. One final, one final thing. Lauren Boebert, or who I like to call Cubert, uh, because she's a big uh, QAnon person. Uh, she recently said, tweeted out with, with no evidence provided that where she got this information. It was probably from QAnon that white people are being denied. Um, vaccines for COVID. Now, as a white person myself, I'm about as white as you can get. I wasn't denied. I wasn't denied at all. I got both my shots. I'm good to go. But she called, she said this by denying white people the ability to get vaccines as racist. And my suggestion for Miss Bobert 
is to crack open up a dictionary and look up the word racism and racist. Because in the United States of America, by definition, you cannot be racist against white people. And just to prove that, there are two definitions of racist, uh, an adjective and a noun. The adjective definition is a prejudiced against or, or antagonistic toward a person or people on a basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. The noun definition is a person who is prejudiced against or antagonistic toward people on the basis of their membership in a particular races, uh, racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. In the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen, white people are not the minority, and we are certainly not marginalized. You can be bigoted against white people. You can't be racist. So, that wraps up this episode of the Prez Forecast. Uh, things do appear to keep getting better. I'm still going to that concert in June. It has not changed. Um, as you know, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, just waiting to get those orders that I don't have to wear the mask anymore. Although, at my school, I will be wearing it throughout the summer, uh, regardless of what happens to the mask rules. Uh, though in Tulsa, we are seeing a little bit of a spike. Uh, but that, that light is getting brighter and bigger at the end of that tunnel, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, keep pressing on. Keep holding on. We're going to make it. Have a good night. Have a good weekend. And more than anything, enjoy yourselves and enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Good night.